electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Well, welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Morgan Brennan, and for Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the last trading day of a remarkable year, to say the least, in the markets. We'll debate what worked and what is next. So joining me for the hour today are Joe Terranova, Jim Liebenthal, John Najarian, and Kerry Firestone, the CEO of Aureus Asset Management. Uh, first time with you guys today. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go through this last day of the trading year together. We're seeing record inflows, record valuations. The Nasdaq is on pace for its best year since 2009. The Russell is on pace for its best quarter ever. So with this backdrop, we're going to look ahead to the new year and bring you the investment committee's strategies and best ideas. And to that, I think, Carrie, we'll start with you. I know you're looking at a mix of growth and reopening stocks. What are your picks as we head into a new year? Well, Morgan, because it's been such a fantastic year, and as you said, the NASDAQ has been strong. Technology has led for most of the year. It's up 44%. We've owned a lot of those stocks, but you don't want to push that trade too far. So some of the names that we, we like are growth names. Home Depot is such a name. Uh, we like Sherwin-Williams. We like United Healthcare. Um, those are stocks that have been good. They're growth stocks. But you also have some upside even with the reopening. And on the reopening side, we've got Booking Holdings, AMT, which isn't a, a reopening stock, it's the cell phone company, but it's one that's down this year despite having a good environment for business and for their, their general environment because people are on their phones all the time and 5G is going to help and the weak dollar will help. And we also think Boston Scientific, a device company that hasn't been able to do a lot of surgery because they've stopped off all surgeries that were, quote, non-essential, even though I suspect for heart patients and their doctors, a heart surgery is essential. So those are names on both sides. We're, we're using both the strategy of staying with growth, staying with some of the tech that hasn't gone up too much, and also continuing with some reopening names that, again, have not gotten ahead of themselves. Yeah, um, yeah I, it's just interesting to hear you talk about the housing piece um, uh, of that portfolio and, the, and those picks as well. And, and Joe, I'd love to get your thoughts on that, especially when I hear something like Home Depot and Sherwin-Williams. I mean, it's been such a strong year for housing. Uh, is the expectation we're going to continue to see that next year, especially since inventories are tight? Well, first of all, Morgan, uh, welcome. It, Thank it you. It took you long enough to, to join us on the halftime report. Um, <laughs> I, I love Carrie's strategy because we've had so much in prior months about investors being forced into this binary decision. You either need to turn left in your portfolio or you need to turn right. I want to stay balanced. I want to be in the middle. That's exactly what Carrie is doing here. She's got growth. She's got value. She's got health care. She's got technology, and yes, she has exposure to housing. And to answer your question, Morgan, 
as long as I know the Federal Reserve is going to continue with his, his historic accommodative monetary policy and private sector borrowing costs are going to remain low, then housing, given that we have a very tight inventory to begin with, housing is going to continue to be supportive. Now, in certain regions in the country, you are going to hit the ceiling in terms of pricing, but there is enough demand out there and there will be enough opportunity that I think housing will continue to work, maybe not as strong as it did in 2020, but it'll continue to have a bullish trend in 2021. All right, so before we move on then, Joe, what are your specific picks this year? Well, I, I'm emphasizing exactly what Carrie's doing, and, and I'll introduce the, probably the, the investor's uh, best behavioral word, and that's diversification. And you think about coming into 2021, uh, Morgan, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it in many of the interviews that you've conducted. Well, we want to be invested. We believe that the environment is a, is a good one to be invested, but we think a correction's coming at some point, right? We hear that from everyone. That's the overwhelming consensus. Well, what do you do with that in reality? I think what's important is that you're diversifying by asset class. You're not getting out of fixed income because you're going to need taxable fixed income in your portfolio. You're looking geographically, not just looking at the United States. You're looking at equity size class. You want large caps. You want mid caps. You want small. And you're looking strategically as well. So I'm still going to hold on to my mega caps, Apple and Microsoft. I'm going to hold emerging market debt. Think about that for a second. Having exposure outside the U.S., and having exposure to taxable fixed income, and I'm doing it through an ETF, which is EMB, 20% of that EMB has exposure to oil-producing countries like Qatar, mm. like Saudi Arabia. So I like that strategy. And then in addition to that, I think the trading environment is going to remain volatile. It is going to be uh, a continuation of what we experienced in 2020, where the average for the VIX was 29, which was double the average over the last 10 years, where it was 15 or 16. So within financials, who benefits in that trading environment? Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, that's my exposure. And then lastly, electric vehicles are very popular. Well, I'm not allocating specifically to electric vehicle producers. I'm going second derivative. Who's putting the technology into these vehicles? That takes me to Sensata Technologies, ST. It's a name that I've recently purchased, and I will hold it for 2021. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into the electric vehicle conversation a little bit more, as well as the oil one, too. But, John, I want to get your reaction to that. Yeah, I agree with Joe. I, I think uh, that that should play out nicely. And um, emerging markets, Morgan, as you know, have been some of the hottest, uh, well, the hottest that they've been in years, quite frankly, Europe, uh, not an emerging market, but nonetheless did get a lot of boost um, from basically the beginning of November through now. And now that they've uh, negotiated, I guess, this Brexit, uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of it plays out, Morgan. But I think that uh, things are shaping up pretty well for 2021. And I happen to agree that we are likely to see some sort of pullback and I would think that that would come in the first couple weeks of, uh, so a lot of folks think it comes later in the year, Morgan. I happen to think it comes early in the year because of some of the darkness surrounding, you know, uh, the rest of the rollout of these uh, uh, vaccines and so forth. I think during the time when we see spikes after Thanksgiving, 
after Christmas and into New Year's here, I think that'll be one of the times you might see some of the pressure uh, and, of course, profit taking on some of these stocks. Yeah, and of course, when we have conversations like uh, about things like uh, emerging markets, we can't overlook uh, just the incredible weakening we've seen of the dollar in recent months as well. Carrie, I want to get your thoughts on pullback. You see that on the horizon? Uh, did you say a pullback? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, well, we, we definitely are seeing already a pullback in some of the hottest names we've, we've had in the market in years. If you look at yeah. the IPO class of technology and some of the biotech names that were up, you know, 500 plus percent. I mean, take a look at Snowflake, for example. Uh, Snowflake, Moderna, I mean, great companies, but got ahead of themselves. And that group of names, uh, I had written a piece about it, we talked about it last week, that traded more than 10 times sales and are 10 billion in market value or more. They had reached 15% of the entire market capitalization. All stocks traded publicly. And that was too much um, in, in terms of the allocation that investors had placed and the faith they'd placed in some of these stocks that were 100 billion market cap like Snowflake. Again, they've got to grow into those earnings over time. So we're seeing a pullback already. Maybe that's profit taking. It could be money just coming back into other world markets as Joe and John referred to. Uh, I'd like to point out one uh, quick table that Vinny put together for me. And thank you, Vin, for all the tables and charts you've done this year and other years. So it just shows the IPO market, which was very strong this year, still only represents money rate about half a percent of the market cap of the entire market or oh. even less when you pull out the SPACs. But, it's, but that market has driven a lot of demand to high-tech names, and a lot of market sentiment has moved toward IPOs and the type of names, Airbnb, DoorDash, Palantir, and those stocks have gotten incredibly expensive, and we probably should see a correction in those names. But it's unlikely, we believe, that it can pull the whole market down. Yeah, that's a good chart right there. Uh, last but not least, uh, I want to bring Jim into this conversation as well. Jim, you're using a barbell, our barbell strategy of value and growth as well at a reasonable price. You two have six ideas. Break them down for us. Yeah, and, and first off, welcome again, Morgan. But let me echo what everybody's saying, which is that this is not a time that you need to take or even want to take massive bets on one sector or one style or one region. So that's reflected in my picks. I've got a couple of reopening stocks. These are classic cyclicals. So I'm talking about General Motors and Boeing. I mean, these are companies that make things uh, that have been held back this year, but will grow again nicely in 2021. And not just 2021, but in the years to come, because we are starting a new economic expansion. And cyclicals perform well at the beginning of an economic expansion. The growth at a reasonable price, that includes Qualcomm. Um, that includes a smaller cap company called Orbcom, which is a machine-to-machine uh, -machine telemetry company that uh, I've spoken about uh, for, for a long time. And I think that it is now coming out of a, um, a couple of years of, of sort of a morass um, that was really, it's not, not its fault, but now it's coming into the sweet spot of its earnings cycle. So the next two years, I think, should be very good for it. And finally, you always want to have some story stocks. As a stock picker, I look at Marathon Petroleum. Uh, I've talked about it for a little while. They're going to close the sale of their gas station line, the Speedway gas stations, in the first quarter. It's going to give them $21 billion of cash, and that's versus a $25 billion market cap. 
Uh, you know, you can do a lot with that cash to recapitalize the company. And finally, Viacom. This may be, you know, wishing forever on a star, but I do think at some point uh, th there will be more consolidation in content and delivery of content, and Viacom looks like an attractive takeover in that space. Yeah, I mean, they do. CBS and Viacom, they do also have Star Trek, if you're a, a space nerd like I am, Joe. <laughs> Love Star Trek. Love so Star good. Trek. So good. I've been, I've been watching the original series with my son. Where It's like going back 40 years. I love it. Um, Joe, I want to get your reaction to that. <laughs> Not the Star Trek part, unless you want to. <laughs> no, I'm going to pass on Star Trek, but General Motors and, and Boeing, I think these are two companies that, yes, you do want to give consideration towards in uh, 2021. I think everyone needs to also factor in the possibilities for a CapEx recovery in 2021. Confidence will ultimately be presented in which... Uh, the C-suite will be able to go out and initiate a lot of the projects that have been placed on the shelf for the duration of this pandemic. So I think CapEx is going to be incredibly important in the industrial space. That's why I'm in Honeywell. I also think CapEx is going to impact technology, and I think that leads you towards the semis, which I know John and Pete Najarian have talked a lot about. I have exposure to AMD and then a semi-equipment name, Teradyne, that I know Stephen Weiss likes as well so capex will be a prevalent theme going forward here in 2021 and a lot of the trade opportunities uh, will directly be a consequence of that being presented yeah honeywell is an interesting one too because they're really into the industrial technology uh, adoption and rollout as well john you have two yes. reopened trades american airlines and carnival cruises which are down about 50 percent this year i mean these are gosh these are like the ultimate reopen trades. I, I want to get your thoughts or, on why, why you pick these and how much of that's tied to something like the vaccine rollout on a bigger, broader scale. Sure. Well, um, I was working with our, uh, our uh, market strategist, A.J. Monti, and we looked at these and said, boy, you look at uh, American Airlines, the institutional ownership is at a low. Um, it's uh, basically under 45 percent right now. Um, that is something I think that changes a lot in the next year, Morgan. Also, the fact that you've got um, shares down 45, almost 50%, as you say, and that the float, uh, short float, is about 32%. It might even be higher right now as we get into the final week of the year, now final day of the year. So I think any kind of good news on the reopening really causes a squeeze for a lot of the folks that have bet against American. On the other hand, uh, with Carnival, they've already done fabulous. Um, you remember, Morgan, because you were reporting on it. Back in March, they were going to raise money. They had to put the boats up for collateral and mm -hmm. everything else. Um, Lazary, Mr. Lazary, was uh, one of the guys that really got me interested in this trade. I bought the bonds. They were about 11.5%, 12% yield. They're down to 5 wow. right now. 5 And when they're doing new offerings... They don't have to tie it to any, uh, any of those uh, boats or anything like that. These are unsecured loans now. Shows you how much it's, uh, people are looking into the future as far as recovery here. And it's still half of where it was at, you know, when things weren't in pandemic form like they are now, Morgan. So I think both those stocks 
could do exceedingly well, and you could get some real outperformance from those in 2021. Yeah, it certainly speaks to the, I guess, bigger discussion we've been having about just how much pent-up demand is going to be out there for people to basically hit the skies mm -hmm. and hit the water and, and be able to do things like vacation again. Well, we only have a few hours left right. to trade in 2020. Frank Holland is taking a look back at the mm -hmm. best and worst performing S&P 500 sectors in December. Frank. Hey there, Morgan. Well, it's a fitting end to a really bizarre year. 2020's top performing sector is right alongside the worst performing sector for 2020, at least for December. Tech and energy leading this month. Energy's 5% gain is especially notable given the really rough year for the sector, still down more than 30% in 2020. But oil prices are rising in recent weeks as vaccine progress has fueled optimism for a recovery in crude demand. And that's helping big oil and gas names like Phillips 66 and Halliburton, which have all posted double-digit gains this month. Diamondback Energy up more than 20% this month. And while just about every sector is finishing December in positive territory, real estate and utilities, they're falling behind. In real estate, it's actually the cell tower REITs like American Tower and Crown Castle that are dragging on the sector. Apartment owners like Avalon Bay and Essex Property also among the worst performers. There are outliers here, though. Lumber producer Weyerhaeuser is up 15 percent this month as demand for home building. It just remains strong and keeps going. So soaring lumber prices playing a really big part here. The commodity up more than 100 percent in 2020 and heading for the best year on record. Morgan, back to you. Yeah, I mean, lumber futures have been on fire this year, perhaps not surprisingly, given the conversation we've been having about housing and a number of other commodities, too. Frank, thank you. Thank Happy you. New Year. Happy New Year to you. Let's drill down on energy specifically. It's the worst performing sector this year, but some of these names are actually up double digits this month. Stocks like Phillips 66, Devon Energy, and Halliburton. Carrie, you previously owned Phillips 66. What do you think of it now at these levels? Uh, well, Morgan, we wish we owned it the last couple of months. It's been a fantastic stock. It's still down 30% from its all-time high. I, I, I think that's about right. And uh, refining is something that is a, it's a scarcity. And mm. Phillips is a great refiner. So uh, it's, a, it's a play on a recovery. We don't own any energy stocks now. The only thing we have is Vontier, VNT, and that's a play on fueling stations and the technology that's needed to measure gasoline and fueling for the entire fleet of cars, trucks, etc. Um, you have to believe for energy to do well that they have to have cash flow that continues with numbers on price of fuel in the, in the 40s. You, you, you need to see a reduction in the uh, number of institutional investors, endowments, etc who are selling down their fossil fuel holdings. You know, there's an ESG rush into uh, type of companies that are not fuel dependent. And that's a negative that isn't going away. That's one of the reasons that we don't own the energy sector. So we've, we've decided to play it through other types of industrials. Uh, I know that Jimmy owns energy stocks and has done really well with them this quarter, but it's not a place that we put money. I have to say, though, on Star Trek, I always wanted to be Major Ohora when I was young. Yes. She was my favorite. Yes. <laughs> lieutenant. She's a lieutenant. What did you give her, a field promotion? No, she, she was promoted. No, she was promoted to lieutenant. She was promoted. <laughs> Everything about this conversation Sorry. is just fantastic. It is out of this world. <laughs> Um, better when we're all in the same space. <laughs> I look forward to the day where I get to fill on in the show and, and, and have this conversation with you guys in person. I really do. Um, 
John, before yep. I get to you, though, Jim, uh, the fact that Carrie just mentioned the fact that you do own some of these energy yeah. names, uh, I want to get your take and your reaction. Yeah, I, I think this is an important topic because the last quarter you've seen all energy companies come up, even some that are dramatically damaged uh, and, and may not have very bright futures. So I'm talking about, in particular, the smaller exploration and production companies or the offshore drillers. These are, these are companies whose business models have been, I believe, permanently impaired. So what you do with this, because you're going to have a decrease in demand uh, over time for fossil fuel, you've got to stay with the big names in, in the fossil fuel space. Um, I'm talking about the Exxons and Chevrons of the world, and I'm talking about the refiners for the reasons that Kerry uh, mentioned, Kinder Morgan as a pipeline. Um, you, you, it's true that you do have stability in oil prices at a higher level than any of us suspected. But the wave of ESG and renewable energy is going to keep the winners very a very tight group. So you have to be stock specific uh, going into 2021. You have to be. You can't just throw a dart at the energy board. You'll get beat up. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the integrated, uh, John, ExxonMobil just came out with that updated guidance uh, going into 2021, or I guess for the fourth quarter, and also, you know, warning that there's going to be a $20 billion write down. One of the bright spots, though, within that, not only improving oil prices, and I realize it's been a really rough year for that company, but also the chemicals business, just speaking to that refining component as well. Uh, what do you think of Exxon right now? Um, uh, it's been a fabulous ride from uh, September, I think, Morgan. Stock was 31, now it's 41. Uh, I like that one, uh, but I also really like the solars. So I own CSIQ, Canadian Solar, SunPower. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that space, and those stocks are just on fire, and not just since September, all year long. And it certainly didn't hurt when President-elect Biden uh, got the nod because obviously there's going to be even more focus on those into 2021 and beyond. So space, the final frontier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like it, Morgan, and I think these continue to do well. I heard that, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, stay with us for more trades. We are just getting started. John Najarian is tracking the action in the options market. His new plays are straight ahead. And as we go to break, a check on the S&P sector heat map. Uh, we're basically flat in the S&P. 3730 is your level there. And as you can see, financials, communication services, and healthcare are uh, the top performing sectors in what is a very quiet session here uh, on this last day of trade for the year, whereas energy and tech are your worst performers. We're back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Welcome back. Investors piled into semi-stocks this year amid a wave of consolidation across the industry. Josh Lipton is taking a look at what's ahead for the chips in 2021. Josh. 
So, Morgan, check out the SMH, the ETF that tracks the chip, surging more than 50% in 2020 and nearly 130%, by the way, from those March lows. The big movers in that ETF, if you pop up in the hood, NVIDIA, AMD, and Qualcomm. Intel, your worst performer, the only one actually trading in negative territory. One important theme for chip investors to watch next year and beyond even is big tech companies now becoming big chip designers themselves. So that's a trend we know is accelerating. For example, Apple recently launching new Macs, swapping in its own chip and swapping out Intel chips. Then there's Amazon. It recently announced that new chip for machine learning training as well. There aren't that many companies that can actually afford to do this because it is expensive. If they have the money, it can make financial and strategic sense, lowering costs and improving performance. So how do the traditional chip makers, though, respond to this trend? Well, they are making bold bets themselves. You see NVIDIA's Jensen Wong. He is busy buying ARM. AMD's Lisa Su. She's purchasing Xilinx. Bernstein's Stacy Rasgon, I caught up with him. He says Intel, though, is the most at risk from this trend, in his opinion. Because it's the incumbent and its core markets are under attack from all sides, he says Intel stock down nearly 20% this year and, of course, now facing new pressure from Third Point, hedge fund run by Dan Loeb. Morgan, back to you. Josh Lipton, Happy New Year. Thank you. Jim, you own Qualcomm and NXP, and you previously owned Intel. Uh, what is your take on the space right now? Yeah. Well, I think the fact you just mentioned three such different companies within yeah. the space speaks to how diverse the industry is. You can be an NXPI, which is a great play on the automotive sector. I love that. It's also takeover bait. I mean, Qualcomm thought of buying them uh, a few years ago. China nixed that, but the space is consolidating, so I wouldn't mind if NXPI were played up in that. Intel, unfortunately, I think it's damaged right now. It is salvageable. It is salvageable, but it's not a one or two quarter uh, process. This is a multi-year process. The big thing for Intel is their size. They're so big, it gives them economies of scale that improves their gross margins. But they got to get it together on the production side, on the operations side. Um, and then on Qualcomm, it's in the sweet spot right now. There's no litigation going on. Its customers aren't suing it. Uh, countries aren't suing it. 5G is rolling out. This is a time where it makes a lot of money. Probably in 18 months, somebody lobs a lawsuit at them. But right now, just milk that cow. It's a cash cow. Yeah, fair point. It is going to be interesting to see what happens with Intel, too, specifically the manufacturing portion of this, given the fact that so much chip making is not done here in the U.S. And we do, at least currently, have an administration um, that has been pushing hard to see more of that come back uh, stateside, what that will look like under a Biden administration and whether we have those conversations, too. OK, so Barron's calling Nordstrom. We're going to totally switch gears here. A department store survivor saying the stock still has more room to run. It's down almost 22% for the year. But get this, surging more than 160% in the last two months. Mm -hmm. It is our call of the day. Joe, you like Nordstrom here. Why? Joe? Okay. Uh, we're going to go to John because I think we're having some technical difficulties there. John, I thought the mall was dead. What's going on with Nordstrom? Well, um, they don't waste their time in a lot of cities that aren't going to work for them. Um, this is, a, uh, I think, more of a luxury uh, manufacturer, uh, not manufacturer, uh, retailer, Morgan, than a lot of people realize. Uh, they love going into these stores. Uh, they just were having that new one open in New York, and then the pandemic hit. 
Uh, but I think that concentrating on the markets where they think they can sell rather than just having a gigantic footprint, which is what a lot of the other retailers went for, they're regretting those gigantic footprints in many cases. Um, I think Nordstrom being much more specific to geographic areas, Morgan, is going to serve them well. And I think there's still the possibility that the family could decide to take them private. But after this big surge, I think that's going to be a much tougher move. Mm. Carrie, I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, I know you mentioned at the top of the show that, that your, one of your picks for 2021 is Home Depot, so you're certainly looking at the home improvement retail space. But what do you think about apparel and about some, a name like Nordstrom that is so exposed to the mall, especially given the year we've seen for mall operators? Sure. Morgan, it's a very interesting question because here you have a company, it was a premium company, a great department store brand, and now it's facing all types of upheaval in its industry. I'm not just talking about e-commerce and Amazon. I mean, what happens to Macy's? What about Saks mm. and Neiman Marcus? So on the luxury end, you've got a questionable future for the big players. And then Macy's, which is, I would say, slightly below Nordstrom, um, trying to move itself, position either a little bit more upscale or going to cut back on a lot of their retail locations. And Nordstrom has to sort of play their hand very carefully, not knowing what the other participants in the industry will do. There were about six years over the last 10 where the company earned more than $3 a share. I think that's unlikely for a few years. If they can get into the twos, 220 to 250 a share, put a 20 multiple on that, it can trade over $40, it can trade into the mid 40s, that would make it an attractive purchase here. But there are a lot of ifs in, in that whole statement. And I, I'm just not prepared to commit right now. Uh, they'd have to start to show more cash flow, begin to pay the dividend back. You know, I, I, I just don't know. I, I think it's, um, it's, it's a good company in a well, uh, I'd say, well positioned in an industry that's going through major disruption. And maybe they can be a winner, but not one that we would put money into right now. Yeah, and I think to your point, fewer competitors out there uh, right now, given all the shakeup that's afoot. I will say as a consumer, it does seem like they're stepping up their e-commerce game a little bit. Joe, I want to get your thoughts here on Nordstrom. Yeah, I'm back. Yes, the e-commerce <laughs> game is very strong for Nordstrom. I listened to the comments from everyone else. I agree. Uh, listen, let's not have the recency bias as it relates to Nordstrom. If you're going to take a position in it, let's make sure it's very small. They are high-end fashion. They do have brand recognition. I'm going to introduce Dillard's, DDS, into the conversation <laughs> because if you are uh, thinking about buying Nordstrom, I think Dillard's probably is a better opportunity because of its geographic location for its stores. It's in the southwest. It's in the southeast. Economically, uh, I think there's better viability with their store location. So give uh, consideration to Dillard's as well. All right, Dillard's. Well, let's get headlines for the day with Mike Santoli. Mike. Morgan, thank you very much. Here's what's happening at this hour in Minneapolis. Police say they will release body cam video today from a traffic stop that ended with a man shot dead. The city's first police-involved death since George Floyd. A crowd formed at the site of the shooting last night. The U.K. reporting a record 55,000 new COVID cases today. This despite new restrictions across much of the nation. England's top health official is urging people not to go out for New Year's Eve. 
Pope Francis uh, skipping the Vatican's New Year's Eve ceremony for different reasons. Officials say it's due to a flare-up of his sciatica, causing significant leg pain. It is the first time uh, in years the 84-year-old Pope will skip an event for health reasons. And back in Britain, the father of Prime Minister Boris Johnson is applying for French citizenship. Stanley Johnson says he is French because of his mother. Stanley Johnson was a member of the European Parliament who voted for the UK to remain in the EU. Morgan, uh, that's it for now. Back to you. Sciatica is no joke. Mike Santoli, thank you. John's unusual activity trades are next. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. Halftime is back after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started. Major averages are hugging the flat line right now, but John Najarian is tracking some unusual options activity today. What are you seeing, John? Well, thank you, Morgan. Um, in JETS, J-E-T-S, JETS, 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 uh, this is, of course, the ETF that tracks um, the airline industry, and uh, it had underperformed like crazy. But from the moment that that uh, vaccine was announced that the emergency use was authorized, these have been outperforming the major indices. And in fact, we see speculation that that's going to continue. March 27 calls, they're aggressively buying those for about 60 cents. They bought some 4,000. They've added to that even on this um, last day of trading where we see volumes a little lighter. So that's our first one. I'll probably be in those, Morgan, about a full two months. The second one um, is Vornado. This is a realty trust nearly a 6% dividend yield. And in this case, they're buying the January 40 calls. I like this one a lot. Uh, New York coming back. Uh, these guys are major exposed to New York. That's why the stock's basically been cut in half this year with the pandemic shutdowns and so forth. But New York, San Francisco, Chicago, with that reopening, that's where they are expose, exposed, rather, Morgan. So I like that one as well. Probably two to three weeks in this trade. Lastly, take a look at Capri. Um, this one um, is a little more expensive. It's the Feb 4250 calls. They paid about $4 for these, but 
uh, these guys are, you know, one of those brand, uh, uh, a house of brands, if you will. And I like that. I think as people get back out and shop, these guys benefit. Uh, this is more, you know, rather than the direct to consumer play, the uh, shopping. And I think that also hits pretty good in this next uh, few weeks of 2021. These are February calls. I'll probably be in them about 30 to 40 days, Morgan. Yeah, of course, I love how you just pronounce that, too, like a real Italian Capri. Uh, (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) definitely a reopening theme there. Uh, Traders are answering your questions next. We're going to be bringing you answers to those when halftime is back in two minutes. Well, Welcome back. The traders are answering your questions. And first up, we have a video question for Jim. Hey, guys. Scott Little from snowy Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, enjoying halftime while I'm working from home today. At what point do you jump into CRM? I know it's up big today, but like to start a position. What's the magic number? Thanks. Jim, what is the magic number? Hey, Scott, thanks for the... Oh, sorry, Morgan, didn't mean to talk over you. Scott, uh, thanks for the question. I'm going to give you a direct answer right now. I recently initiated a position about $2 <laughs> higher than where it is right now, which is only 1%. Um, you may have some uh, heart palpitations, maybe, about the valuation, 48 times earnings. I'm going to tell you, for this company that's growing this way and acquiring Slack, I think that's a huge move. That's actually the right price. So don't be wishing for it to be down 25% to a multiple that you like. If that happens, the stock's going to be in trouble. Uh, You want to buy it here and let it keep growing from here. All right. Next up, another video question, and this one is for John. Question. Any recommendations with respect to the EV or electric vehicle market uh, battery-wise? I do believe QuantumScape is overvalued at this point, so... Appreciate it. Thank you. Happy holidays. Uh, I, I think you're wise to be focused in on this sector, uh, EVs in particular and batteries secondarily. Of course, Tesla is the largest uh, with Panasonic uh, producer of those uh, lithium batteries. Um, and I think some technologies that I'd love to discuss, but some of the stocks just aren't quite big enough. Uh, they set a threshold level on CNBC for stocks that I can talk about in that regard. But I think as far as the EVs themselves, LI, Lee, NIO, NIO, Tesla, I own all of those. And I think that also feeds into many of those solar plays because they're going to need a lot of power to push those vehicles around. And I think uh, solar will play a bigger role in that going forward. Mm. Carrie, Frank in Germany wants to know about Netflix. Buy, sell, or hold? I I know you own it. Yeah, Frank, uh, good question. We bought Netflix not very long ago. The stock had underperformed since the beginning of September. It really took a pause. And we had this surge from Disney with Disney Plus really moving ahead uh, in their uh, integration. But Netflix is number one around the world. And if you think about what the power of that is, every time they raise a price, the money just falls to the bottom line. They have enormous power now in production and distribution. And we think if you go out three years, the stock sells at a multiple, maybe it's 30, 32 times earnings three years out. That to me is reasonable and we like the stock here. Plus the chart 
shows you that it's starting to gain some more support with investors. Yeah, it's up 3% today. A little maybe Netflix and chill on this New Year since people probably aren't going out as much for the holiday. Joe, Jamie in Boston wants to know if you are still a believer in Seattle genetics. Jamie, I've been a believer in Seattle genetics for the last couple of years, and it's because of the wonderful work that they are doing with cancer therapy, introducing monoclonal antibodies to treat that. Uh, that being said, if you are recently in the stock, understand right now there's some downward pressure because uh, they have filed for a, a potential share sale. If you're looking for a reference point, maybe the 200-day at 165 is a place where you could lighten up, but I'm not doing so. I'm staying with this fundamentally. I believe in what this company's doing, and it's going to be a long-term holding for me, as it's been for the last couple of years. All right. We've got one last question. Jay in Westchester asks, Farmer Jim, Northrop Grumman has been neutral <laughs> since February 2018. They continue to deliver. Is there any sign of a breakout ahead? What do you think? Well, I think what's been holding back Northrop Grumman, uh, Jay, is, is fears about defense spending cuts under a Democratic uh, administration. I think that's misplaced because Northrop Grumman sells a lot of things like missiles and satellites and drones that are going to grow no matter who the administration is. So I like Northrop Grumman here, but I'll admit it's taking a long time to fulfill its uh, destiny, shall we say. Yeah, it's also we got that NDAA sitting in the Senate, uh, hopefully getting a vote by the end of the day tomorrow. And the B-21 bomber, which is a Northrop Grumman program, uh, is expected to get fully funded from that, too. And it's got that play on commercial space, obviously, a cover defense. So watching it closely with you, Jim. Um, but I want to shift gears here. We're going to talk about gold. It's set to close out its best trading year since 2010. How the futures traders are playing the metal into 2021. We're going to have that next on Halftime. Welcome back. It is time for Futures Outlook. Gold set to close out its best year since 2010. Bill Baruch of Blue Line Futures joins us with a trade. Talk me through it, Bill. How you doing, Morgan? Thank you for having me on here. Happy New Year. Listen, I, I've loved gold this year. I've loved it for a long time, and I love it going into 2021. In fact, if you bought gold December 23rd and you've held it through the end of January, you've made money 15 out of the last 17 years. This is a very seasonally bullish time of year. But there's much more than that. You have the dollar weakness. And in fact, the dollar index closed down 6.66% on the year as of yesterday's settlement price. I think commodities are going to have a great year in 2021. Gold's going to benefit. Technically, gold is right at a trend line from the August high, and it's trying to break out. Comes in right about 1900. I think there's a great tailwind breaking out above there. I want to buy gold right here, 1900. I'm going to use the 50-ounce E-mini contract, and this gives you a little bit of less risk. A stop down at 18.50, that's risking 50 bucks or $2,500. My target to the upside is 2,000 on that, and that's going to be a 5,000 dollar gain for a two-to-one risk reward. Mm, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit because we've also seen a pretty big run this year in silver. Uh, I think it's one of the best performing assets year to date, and we know that the two tend to move together. Although that gold to silver ratio uh, is pretty wide right now, uh, wondering if you're thinking. Or you have any thoughts about silver as we head into 2021, whether we see that ratio narrow or whether it's a totally different story for silver, like electrification playing a role there. 
I absolutely do. I'm really glad you brought that up. I love silver. In fact, I think it's going to continue to outperform gold. I think it's outperformed gold about 48% this year gain relative to gold's 20 to 24%. So about twice as good. I think silver right now, silver's already broken out above that trend line actually from its August high. And in fact, it's now using that trend line as support below. So it's building a really nice base. I think we'll see silver trade up to $30 here over the next month. But I think $35 is, is, is in the cards next year for silver. Silver and gold. Um, Bill Baruch, Happy New Year. Thank you for being with us and breaking down the trade. Coming up, the earnings to watch for next week. Plus, we've got final trades. Stay with us. we got a few companies reporting quarterly results next week, including Micron and Walgreens. John, you own Micron Calls. The company raised its Q1 guidance yeah, earlier. Yeah, I do. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And... I think they're going to uh, knock the cover off the ball here. Uh, the main reason is these data centers, Morgan, uh, that is one of the significant drivers because of cloud usage. And then the second part of it is they mentioned on that call, uh, in particular, 5G. And a lot of people look at everything but Micron for 5G. Micron's going to be a big player in that as well. Watch this one. Yeah, and we we'll see shares up about 4%, 5% right now. Jim, Walgreens is also on deck but you own a CVS. I mean, either way we cut it, we're talking about two names that are key to the vaccine distribution that's underway in this country right now. Exactly right, Morgan. And so the earnings uh, results for the prior quarter aren't going to matter for Walgreens. It's what they say about the distribution of the vaccine going forward. Having said that, I do like CVS better. I like them both, but I like CVS better because it's integrated with the Aetna health insurance business. They've got these wonderful minute clinics that serve people in the stores, give them actual medical advice. Um, so I just happen to like CVS better, but I think both are, are a good play going into the new year. Carrie, you previously owned Constellation Brands. We've got that name reporting as well. Yeah, and they can really pull out something good. Uh, not only are people drinking a lot at home, but we can start to look forward to drinking in restaurants, and that's great for their business, hotels, events. So I think that's one to keep an eye on. All right, it is time for final trades. Last time in this 2020 calendar year. First up, Joe, what's yours? Well, my final trade is Goldman Sachs, uh, but I also want to cite in a year that, that obviously we... Uh, we don't want to remember, but unfortunately, it'll be hard to forget. I want to thank all the viewers for tuning in, and let's hope for a bull market, not only for risk assets, but for society next year. Amen. Jim? Joe said that so well, I'm, I'm just going to echo what he said without being specific. Well done, Joe. Marathon Petroleum is my final trade because looking into the first quarter, they sell Speedway, $21 billion of cash versus a $60 billion enterprise value. Uh, that's, that's a first quarter play for me. And with that, Morgan, thank you. And to everybody, live long and prosper. Oh, yes. Thank you. John. <laughs> yeah, Morgan. Um, uh, all of that's great. I love you hosting the show. Thank you so much. Um, American Airlines, I bought the calls in there. 40,000 of them rolled out till May. That's 4 million share equivalent. I think they're going to be right, and I like that airline. Jets, Jets, Jets. Carrie, we got 15 seconds. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> but booking holding, it's the ultimate in the reopen trade. We're all going to travel, take planes, and stay in hotels. And Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you to everyone at CNBC and at home. Thank you to the traders and to the viewers. Have a very, very happy New Year, and here's to 2021. That does it for the halftime. The exchange begins right now. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.